So we watched a movie in the theaters uh, after a long time, uh, Humble Politician Nagraj. And uh, it happened to be the first movie we watched in 2018. We are not regular visitors to the theaters. Uh, we do vis- watch one or two movies in theaters once in a while, but mostly we watch in Netflix and Amazon Prime. Uh, but this was a welcome change. Uh, I'm glad that we watched uh, the movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm sure that you did as well. It was a right mix of com- comedy and, you know, in the end, there was a message when you come out of the theater. That is the kind of movies I like. Uh, it's not just plain comedy making no sense in the end. The reason that we decided to watch this movie is because Danish Seth and Saad Khan are very known, uh, you know, personalities. Danish Seth is an RJ and we regularly listen to his prank co- calls over the radio and they're really funny. And he's done some other uh, shows as well, stand-up comedy and all that. So, very familiar faces. Uh, Saad Khan... I know him from quite some time because one of my friend once was doing uh, some production work for a play. It was called Lights Out. Um, and the director of the play, his name was Siddhant. He was connected to Saad through Center Stage, which is his, uh, uh, which is a company that uh, trains on drama and acting classes and all that stuff. So that's how I know him. And I've been following these two for a while. And uh, last year I got to know that they are coming up with a picture. And Humble Politician was the result of it. And, you know, it was real fun. If uh, any of you have not watched it yet, don't miss the chance to watch it. Go to your nearest theater immediately and give it a watch. You will thoroughly enjoy it. One thing I'll I'll have to like uh, note is that we went to the theaters without any expectations. Mm-hmm. We just thought it'll be like a, you know, hilarious movie, fun uh, movie with a lot of comedies and all that. But we never expected it to have a proper plot or anything. But... Uh, looks like it had a you know uh, serious plot like there was a message in the end it was like they have combined the elements of comedy and seriousness and a message uh, into the same mix and delivered delivered it in a way that we won't feel that we are getting a slap on our face but uh, we do get the message that we are doing something wrong with this society exactly uh, that is the part that i liked it was just not, uh, not a collection of comedy scenes which makes no sense in the end. It, there was a proper storyline, there was a plot, and there was indeed a very great message at the end of it. Um, I think with any movie or any project of ours, um, there comes multiple kind of feedback, right? There might be good feedback and bad. Obviously, for this movie, there were, you know, raving reviews and very good feedback. Even I gave a feedback. Occasionally, there are some negative feedbacks as well. But uh, I saw, I read one of the reviews which said, uh, you know, this movie didn't make sense because uh, I was expecting prank calls by Danish and nothing <laughs> happened. I think he just fails to understand that this is a movie with a message and this is not about, you know, the prank calls that he does. Maybe someone would have thought it's a collection of prank, prank calls made into a movie length, uh, something like that. What is the point of making a movie on prank calls? Like, you can just go watch his, uh, listen to his... Uh uh, what is that a radio show for that yeah you he has a soundcloud account yeah we can link that uh, in the show notes and anyone any of us can yeah so if you're going there expecting it to just be a prank call or like comedy thing then yeah uh you might be a bit disappointed but this film has got a proper message exactly and the danish has acted so well the thing is he has been in character in and out throughout the movie which was wonderful to see in fact everybody in the movie has really done a good job with acting every single character was you know uh, even the casting choice i would say was uh, you know perfect and it really has a proper plot uh, and there are certain um, aspects to the m- movie which 
clearly bring out a message like you know the things that happen in our daily life um you know political stuff um how politics is being corrupted and all that stuff it, it they they really have done a good job in showing that out in fact it makes us sit back and think um you know as to what we are doing as a citizen to our com- country it gives a message that you know uh, individually we might ne- not be able to change the society but the thing is we'll have to be a team and work to- together to make some changes but it's not that easy but uh, if we give our best to it probably it'll happen in fact i did see a post recently by saad um, apparently a political uh, you know organization uh, organization of politics in bangalore few of the members had gone and watched this movie recently mm. i think couple of days back and they gave a really good review about it so i see this <laughs> what what i understood from that is it's not that every single person is bad mm. politics is not bad generally we have this misconception that everybody in politics is you know corrupt and all that but there are some people who genuinely want to bring in change um they are they just need a push like you know these kind of movies are the ones which which we should be looking forward to uh, which can bring a change in the society and stuff that is exactly what the movie says as well right in the end yeah everyone's not a humble politician nagraj <laughs> and yeah uh, people would have different perception when it comes to any movie because uh, what one person looks into when they are watching a movie is different for me uh, the music is an aspect which i always look into because uh, i've been a musician since a long time and yeah uh, i note down all the nuances and everything which feels good and which does not and uh, when it comes to humble politician nagraj uh, to be honest i don't like the songs because i i don't connect to it but the thing is they have done a good job with the background score and uh, all the music uh, rest of the stuff which is required to, for the movie but yeah uh, actually i was surprised that i enjoyed a kannada movie i think it's uh, only the second kannada movie i've watched in my whole life and the subtitles really helped <laughs> yeah, yeah for me i didn't really need the subtitles because i understand kannada a little better good for <laughs> than you, you. <laughs> so i could actually catch the humor in it uh, mm-hmm. i don't know how much subtitles help when you're watching a comedy movie because some of the jokes uh, really need uh, to be in the la- native language and it doesn't translate well into uh, a language through subtitles so advantage for me in this case was that i understood kannada and it was like it was like you know like like a very good flow for me and i could you know uh, really catch it that. Yeah. so uh, when it comes to movies what is the thing which uh, which attracts you like there should be something is it the plot or is it the direction or you know i am um, not really a person who uh, is educated enough i would say to understand the technical aspects of a movie you I, i mean i have heard you talk with your friends about cinematography and you know camera angles and stuff i don't understand all that camera angles maybe to an extent but um, i'm not into the technical part of it for me movie is pure entertainment um, i like a movie uh, which keeps me at that job expect yeah it's like keeps me expecting for the next scene something like that for me for that reason it might not it might be a good or a bad thing but for that reason some movies some really good movies uh, which are little boring in the beginning as mm. in which are really slow to watch i really struggle to watch them till the end one example which i can uh, tell you is um, usual suspects yeah 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 that is one of the movies which i found really difficult to watch and um, 2001 space odyssey all these kind of movies even a malayalam movie is there which was released in 2014 munnarip yeah even that it was, it so was an boring um, in the, it, in the beginning <laughs> i was just trying and waiting to see what is going to happen with this 
of course that movie but, is a yeah. you know it's it has a very good suspense in the end so we are not going to break it but um yeah those kind of movies i really struggle to watch till the end sometimes i'll just you know wander off but um that is what i look for in a movie even if but still if it's a good movie i'll still stick to it and i'll watch it and uh, songs are not that important for me if uh, there are no no songs that i i would I enjoy prefer. if there are no songs because i just want the movie to go on, yeah. go along uh, music yes to an extent like you know hans zimmer's music in all uh, nolan movies it's all background music exactly. it's not like it's not disrupting the flow yeah, of that, the movie yeah that that music actually sets the scene in mm. fact that is not different from the visuals i must say because it adds to the visuals when uh, there is a scene that is playing and there is a kind of a music if it's a dark music you really know what is the tone of the scene right see uh, when it comes to disrupting the movie through uh, music is uh, uh, one example for that is airlift mm-hmm. in that movie they have just inserted songs everywhere where the, it's not needed the movie is amazing mm-hmm. but you know when the music comes in between you'll be like what is happening Well, that's what i felt yeah. because i connect with the music a lot more well that's the bollywood style right you cannot avoid yeah. music and yeah, music. yeah and in that case if you look at it that way even humble politician had a song but it i didn't think uh, that it was misplaced yeah, it, it was, was like a party and you know there was a function and people are just having fun that kind of a thing it kind so, of bored well with the movie though did. i did not like the song because i i cannot connect with it well, and yeah uh, when it comes to that kind of example and all that dunkirk was another movie which i think we enjoyed a lot yes. i loved it because uh, history is something we love and <laughs> especially world war stuff yes i could totally relate to what they were showing and i could feel the emotion of each, each of the soldiers and everyone who were trapped over there but uh, one of my friend who is studying cinematography he his view was completely different he didn't like the movie as much as i did because the thing is he knows about cinematography and how camera angles direction everything works so he said that he couldn't connect with it from that aspect and we had you know kind of like a debate kind of thing and i was like no i like it because of because i look at look at it from this point of view you don't like it because of this so yeah let's put it put an end to it yeah, so i think yeah that's how it differs the thing is sometimes too much knowledge kind of spoils things for you i know it's like <laughs> um you prepare a dish or someone prepares a dish for you you really like it but if you give it the same thing to a professional chef he might find 100 faults with it and he might say that this is not how it is done but you thoroughly enjoy it so for that matter you know i prefer to be in this uh, you know ignorance is bliss kind it's, of a situation yeah, where so. i can just enjoy the movie if it entertains me that's all i look for yeah so looking at the movies which we see these days we wonder right how far it has come where did it start and how it began like seriously yeah, well um it has much much uh, a deeper and you know early history than what we think because it, it all started in man's ability to express art okay you know initially if you go to prehistoric times there are you know drawings in the clay caves and all these things actually tell a story so neanderthal drawing which we spoke about in one of our previous episodes it was all about uh, scenes that they have seen in their life whether it be hunting or whether it be something else they like to express it some in some way right that everything is about telling a story so it all started many many years back is what i would say prehistoric times oh so This episode is going to be about that. Yeah, let's talk about the history <laughs> of cinema then. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Writer and Geek Show. And this episode we're going to talk about the history of motion picture. Hope you enjoy it.
So if you trace the history of uh, technology behind motion picture, uh, it really traces back to many, many centuries ago where there was this magical device called Camera Obscura. Okay. Camera Obscura is nothing much complex. It's just a box with a pinhole at the end. I think we have studied this uh, when we were in... Uh, our schools it was a, a part of physics i suppose when mm. we were studying <laughs> <laughs> i was very bad at physics so you know what <laughs> it, it's not a reflection upon your intelligence it, that's what happens with many of us i just remember this because it was physics was my favorite subject physics was not mine <laughs> so there were some problems mathematical stuff where this uh, particular device was used where they okay. say a pinhole camera is kept at this distance from this uh, object and all that yes stuff. pinhole camera i remember but that term i do not yeah camera obscura is a yeah. more technical term for it so so uh, what it does is basically it has a small tiny hole in one side and it's a completely covered box. So light enters through the pinhole and if you look inside the box you can see an inverted image of uh, whatever is outside. Oh so it's like what we used to do with the lens. Uh, I remember that. So <laughs> we, the same thing that we used to do with the lens, but there was no glass or any kind mm. of uh, you know interface involved here. It was just a pinhole camera. There were, so a study of camera obscura started very early. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Chinese used to experiment with it. Uh, there was a person called Ting Huan. We don't know much about him, but we know that he was. Familiar. He's got a nice name. Of course. And uh, uh, Aristotle did some experiments with uh, uh, camera obscura and he has written about it. But there was a belief in ancient Greek times that I, this also some kind of a camera obscura kind of a device, okay. but now we know that the light enters into our uh, eyes and goes into the retina and that's how we see images so light actually originates from the source yeah. right source can be anything like what we see outside the world is a reflected sunlight coming back to our eyes from trees and houses and vehicles and all that but what greek uh, philosophers thought at that point was light is something that comes out of the eyes goes and hits the object and you know reflects back that would have been funny. We would have, you know, it would have been like headlights. So everybody was a cyclops <laughs> wow. kind of a thing wow. is what they thought. This belief, uh, I think it came, uh, it went on till um, 10th century AD um, where we had a Muslim scientist. His name was Ibn al-Haytham. He was, his name was Latinized as Al-Hazan, which is more easy to pronounce. Yeah. I think we'll, we'll go with that. Uh, so he was a, a Arab scientist who lived in the 10th century. He did uh, a lot of experiments with camera obscura in optics. I mean, he has a varied subject of study, but optics was one of them in which he did some experiments using camera obscura. And he was the first person to mathematically prove that light travels in a straight line okay. using camera obscura because he was able to explain uh, the reason that we see an inverted image inside camera obscura when we expose it to light is because the light travels straight from the top part of the object through the hole and it falls on the bottom part of the image that is formed. In that way, all the light travels, since the light travels in a straight line, the image gets inverted. Wow. Right? He's, he did a wonderful job. Yeah, but... He just didn't state that. He mathematically proved it. So that is why he is credited with, you know, uh, finding that out. And that in turn proves that, you know, whatever geeks, Greeks thought earlier that, you know, light comes out of your eyes and go to, goes and hits at an object and comes back. That's not true. So okay. it, it took many, I think almost thousand years to prove that. And um, interesting thing to note here again is um, 
he was disproving basically Plato and Euclid, who thought uh, they were the two philosophers who thought light comes out of your eyes. The interesting part is Islamic tradition at that point, you know, they had scientists and they were interested in science and all those things. Uh, it was a time when religion, be it any religion, um, you know, Hinduism, Islam or Christianity, scientists also coexisted existed at that point. Um, but if you look at the present condition, right, um, I think there's a lot of differences between religion and science to to an extent because you you clearly see a division between the two there was a time when you know people were interested in science they were trying to find answers i don't know why but uh, these days if you're a scientist uh, people have this uh, i don't know if it is a misconception or if it is true most of the scientists are atheists for that matter that uh, you cannot um, have a harmonious relationship uh, you know with religion as well so Anyway, uh, medieval times, I don't think... turning into a religious talk. (laughs) It isn't. I am not qualified to talk about it. So, Uh, so, uh, that's what it is. So, 10th century, we got to know that, you know, light travels in straight line and uh, camera obscura, how it works and all that stuff. Then, another important step in development of uh, motion picture is to understand or rather is to have the ability to capture images. So if you look at it, motion picture is basically a series of images which are moving very fast, right? So what you intend to say is that uh, the motion picture was derived from something like photography. Yeah. So another, uh, yeah. So it was derived from photography. And one major thing about photography is the use of chemicals to keep an image imprinted on a photographic plate. Mm. So for that, the first step was to identify that certain chemicals, when exposed to light, changed its color and other properties. Uh, so, Albert Albertus Magnus, um, who was a 13th century scientist and he was also a priest, wow. uh, he, un- he realized that silver nitrate um, had this property of changing its prop- uh, color when it's exposed to light. I think that is the same principle which was used until recently even in film photography. Before digital yeah, before digital photography yeah. came in. So this thing changes color. So that was a very big revolutionary uh, understanding which would later result in using silver compounds for photography. And throughout the, this Middle Ages uh, in the 15th and 16th century, various people came out with certain devices which was based basically on camera obscura to create interesting stuff. Um, you know, some people used it to entertain their guests. Hmm. in their houses uh, the real changes started coming towards the end of 18th century and the beginning of 19th century people started understanding that this property of uh, compounds changing their physical attributes when exposed to light can be used in uh, photography so before we go into that uh, there is one uh, important concept that came out i think in 1920 by Peter Mark Roggett, hmm. he stated he was a person to come up with the idea of persistence of vision. So, persistence of vision is again something that we studied in physics uh, in our lower classes. So, it states that an image that falls in our eye, right, image that is formed in our eye, remains there for a small amount of time. When it was first stated, it was wrongly stated that this is a feature of eye, but rather it's a, it's actually a, a feature of your brain. But uh, then it could be used for our advantage when it comes to movie projection and all that, where 
since we have this persistence of images in our eye, it kind of avoids the blank space when the you know frames are being changed, and it creates a fluid kind of motion when different frames. That's what we see in movie projectors. We know how the film is. Each film has uh, one frame, so frames move at around I think thirty frames per 24 second. Twenty-four frames. Twenty-four f- frames per second. But we do not see the blank space in the in in between the frames. We just see one fluid motion. So that is because of the yeah, persistence. So of what scientists have found out is that if if the frames are moving at a speed of like eleven or more frames per second, then you just avoid the blank space. Yes. Yeah. So uh, twenty four is like double that, almost like more more than double that. So yeah, you can see it properly. Yeah. Um, so uh, that is one point I, I, I wanted to mention about the persistence of visions. And so we come to the 19th century France, where the real breakthrough happened when Nicephore Napis and Louis Degas invented the process of photography, where uh, an image can be transferred to a photographic plate permanently, right? It was a metal plate, as far as I, I remember. So uh, the chemicals which was used in that used to be like toxic yeah, a silver halide, some kind of silver yeah. halide, which was coated on the plane plate, and it had the plate had to be exposed for almost I think ten minutes or more than yeah, that yeah. for any kind of image to be formed. And the major uh, drawback with this uh, technology was that it was not easy to maintain because more as light falls on it, <clears throat> it creates more exposure, and the image will just get lost. There is still an existing uh, uh, the plate still exists. But it is in a very, uh, you know, bad shape. Yeah, bad, bad shape, and you cannot really see the image. We can give a link to the image in our show notes yeah. for everybody to see. So, post this uh, first success, Napies died suddenly, and Degas had to carry on uh, working and improving photography. That is where he came up with a technical uh, technique in photography called the Degas type. Uh, which was again the, uh, utilized a similar principle. It had a copper plate which was. Uh, coated with silver uh, and it was very you know light reflective kind of a plate which was put inside a camera obscura okay it was not directly exposed it was put inside a camera obscura around 10 minutes of exposure time and you have your copper plate uh, with the image and he used some solvents to um, you know develop it in the development in the sense keep the image permanent on the plate so that it uh, further exposure of light doesn't damage it wow the disadvantage with this one was uh, you basically had just one copy mm, right? yeah you can't copy you it. cannot because the image created was positive and you didn't have a concept of creating negative images through which you can later develop a positive uh, the that was a major uh, drawback with this technique wherein um, the photography that is once taken in a plate cannot be reproduced unless you take a picture of the plate again <laughs> that'll be even messier i think yeah so that disadvantage was overcome by william tablot when he invented his uh, style of photography called calotype where uh, basically a negative photographic image is created on a light sensitive halide was used uh, silver iodide actually on a piece of paper Hmm. And this paper created a negative image from which you can create multiple uh, positives. So this one avoided the metal plate and uh, yeah. you know the harmful toxic stuff which what was used. Yeah. So right now we are at a stage where you can create static images, hmm. right? So uh, next step to the motion picture is to have these static images in sequence. A device which can catch uh, these static images in sequence and then play them back. Um in series so that you really have a motion picture 
So I think in the next episode in the series, we'll talk about how these images were converted into um, motion. There is an interesting story behind this, which was basically a requirement from um, the governor of LA. Just because of a bet. So he wanted to actually see whether a horse lifts all his legs when it is running in a race. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get into that story in the next episode. So if you have not watched Humble Politician Nagraj, please go to your nearest theater and watch it. It is an amazing movie. Also, one more thing. This week onwards, the episodes will be released on Sundays. Yeah, that's a small change, a slight change in our schedule. Uh, hopefully, it works out for us better. So um, that's it for today. See you all uh, in the next episode. 